Uh, so we're in a series uh, called My Big Fat Mouth. This is week three. So if you missed any of the weeks, previous weeks, I would encourage you to go catch up, go, go listen to them. Um, you catch them on Facebook or on um, our podcast or on our website. A lot of different ways you can, you can access those, uh, those messages. And I want to say welcome to all those tuning in online. If you are tuning in today, thanks for being with us. We're glad you're with us today. Um, this series really is a, it's, it's a wisdom series. Uh, because the Bible talks about the, that those who know how to control their mouth are actually wise people. And so wisdom is the ability to navigate life. It's an important, important uh, concept for the whole series is we're trying to figure out how to navigate life and the different aspects of life as we, as we find them and face them. So week one, a little bit of review. Week one, we talked about how words reflect our heart. All right? Words are important because they reflect our heart um, and they show what's, what's on the inside. And they also direct and affect our lives. So words are more powerful than we sometimes think because they actually affect the direction of our life, the words that we speak are really important. Then last week, since I talked about complaining, and really she talked about how our words hurt our relationship with God. When we complain, it actually hurts our relationship with God more than anybody else, and it also affects our, our, our situations that we find ourselves in. So when we try to change those things, uh, if we're complaining, we're actually not going to change them. We'll just get more of the complaint, not more of what could be. And so she said this about last week. If you can change your circumstance, circumstances, then do something. Change them. Do something about them. And if you can't change your circumstances, then change your perspective. That's a huge idea, I think, last week when it comes to just when we, when we, um, when things that we speak, the way we, we face different situations, learn to do that. She, she challenged us to use our words in a higher, uh, a higher way, higher use of our words when it comes to life. And she said, speak of the good, right? Look for the good, speak of the good in every situation. Hopefully this week you, you did that, you begin to, to, to watch that. And so today, part three, we're going to talk about how our relationships actually hurt our relationships with others or even hurt ourselves in many instances. So uh, words that we speak can actually hurt others. They can also hurt ourselves. And so we'll talk about, about that. So uh, since I found this uh, great website where it talked about these interv- um, questions interviewers ask for job interviews, you know, so there's an interviewer, there's a candidate, and uh, the interviewers will come in and begin to ask the jobs of the, of the person that's applying for the job. And uh, I found, we saw some, just some great, interesting things about what people actually say. So your mouth can actually help you. It can actually hurt you. So if you're looking for a job, uh, maybe you might I want to copy some of these, all right? Or maybe you want to take notes and write these down, some of them. I don't know. Um, first was this. Um, why do you want to work with us? And the, the candidate the interview asked, why do you want to work with us? And the candidate said, my mom said I have to get a job or she'll stop giving me money. I guess it's a good reason to work, right? Um, interviewer says, did you bring your references with you? And the candidate says, I tried, but I, they couldn't get time off of work, all right? Not quite the references they're looking for. Um, this, this, inter- this candidate was, was wanting to get hired for a job at McDonald's. And so the interviewer says, what makes you think uh, you're a right fit for this job? And the candidate says, I'm really great with animals. Might be the wrong job that they're trying to get, right? Um, what made you want to leave your, co- your last company? Uh, I literally cannot stand those bunch of idiots anymore, right? A little open there. And uh, uh, what's your greatest strength, the interviewer asked. And the candidate says, I can do a really great impression of the wind. Listen, if your super strength is impersonating the wind, you might want to say that for like another time, right? I don't know if that'll impress the interviewer so much. Um, Where do you see yourself? Interviewer asks the candidate, where do you see yourself in five years? And the the candidate says, "Uh, probably at some exotic beach somewhere, all right? I don't think that's what the interviewer is necessarily intending. And later on in in the interview process, you know, at the end, usually the interviewer says, is there any questions you have for us, Right. And uh, the same, same person asks, well, where do you see me in five, five years? And the interviewer says, probably not this job because people don't last here very long. So the interviewer's being pretty honest there. Probably save the person a job, right? Um, the interviewer asks the question, do you have any questions for us? And the candidate says, 
um, yeah, when can I expect a call? And the interviewer says, yeah, um, right now, you're not going to get one. All right? So our words, they, they help others, they hurt others. Uh, great. There's a whole bunch of other ones that are pretty funny. When it comes to interview questions, people want to know, our heart exposes what's on the inside. It doesn't take us very long to figure out what's on the inside of somebody's heart because they come out through the words that we speak. The Bible says over and over, be careful of the words you speak. So really, wisdom series, right? Because wisdom is the ability to navigate life. So it's a series of saying, hey, if you're going to navigate in a good way and, and, and have wisdom, you need to learn to be able to control your mouth. Now it's week one. Whole message, the whole message was about James telling us, hey, it's wise to be able to know there's power in our tongue. It can create a lot of damage. It can cause a lot of good. Um, you ever heard of the name Alfred Nobel? Anybody? Uh, you ever heard of Di- TNT Dynamite? Yeah, well, Alfred Nobel is the one that kind of invented TNT and, and perfected it to be able to mass qu- make it in mass quantities. Well, TNT, if you know anything about the history of TNT, you know uh, nitroglycerin is really highly um, explosive, and uh, in some of the plants that were making it, people would die because the plants would explode. In fact, his brother died in an explosion. So he wanted to figure out a way to be able to uh, perfect nitroglycerin and make it not so deadly. And so he figured out a way to be able to package it in a way that wouldn't be so uh, volatile and, and, um, and it could be useful. Well, they began to use TNT for some really big things, right? For mining, for uh, building, building, building things. There was a lot of good. Uh, but with the, I don't know if there was an intended consequence or maybe eventually they figured it out. But this time, gunpowder was the main way of, of, of battles and fighting battles, right? Well, TNT changed that. It made it a little more deadly. Weapons became a little more mass destruction and caused a lot more damage. And so TNT can be used as something very good or it can be used for something very harmful and deadly, um, the Bible says that's how our mouth is. Our mouth is the exact same way, like TNT. It can be used for good, or it can be used for death. It can be used to speak words of life, or it can be used for to speak words of death over others. Um, in fact, James, we'll pick up part of the scripture we read uh, on week one. This is a part of that in, in the book of James, uh, which is the brother of Jesus. And uh, we talked about it the first week. So he says this, Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. It's talking about the mouth. This whole context is about the mouth. So sometimes our mouth, it praises God, it thanks God, it says good things to God and about God. And then sometimes that very mouth will actually curse the people that are made in the image of God, others. He says, so blessings and curses, cursing comes pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. So he says, our mouth has the ability to bless and bring blessings or has the ability to curse and bring curses over others into, our, into their lives and into our lives. Uh, Matthew uh, chapter 12, verse 33, 37, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. He's talking about, about life and he's teaching on life and uh, he's having these conversations. And the context of this, um, well, I'll start reading and I'll give you the context. So Matthew 12 says, a tree is identified by its fruit. So you know a tree by its fruit because if you look at a tree and it has apples, you know it's an apple tree. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes. And he's talking to the Pharisees at this point, the religious leaders of his day. He says, you brood of snakes. He's, he's pointing out an influence in their life. The snake is referring to the enemy, right? So he's saying, all right, there's an influence in your life that is actually causing more damage because the motives and the reason that you're speaking and the things that you're saying are actually not bringing life. They're bringing death. You're partnering with the evil one is what he's saying. He said, you guys don't even know what you're doing. He said, how could evil men like you speak what's good and right? And I'm sure this made the Pharisees really happy, right, that he's calling them the, the evil men. Uh, but at this point, he's trying to, trying to point something out to them, trying to wake them up and realize that they're off course, that they're missing it. Here's the people of God, the, the leaders in Israel that were supposed to be representing God, and they're actually making it really hard for people to find God. And Jesus was really bugged at that, and he was upset. 
Um, and he says, for whatever, whatever's in your heart determines what you say. So he's out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth is going to let those words out. And so he's talking to them. He calls them a brood of snakes. Well, in the context of if, if you read that, you'd be like, man, he's been kind of harsh to religious leaders. His harshest words were always to those who were supposed to represent him and weren't doing a good job. And the kindest words were those who were far from him that didn't know anything about him. And um, in this context, he's saying, all right, guys, I'm trying to point something out. Because what took place was there was this encounter where they're at the temple. It's Sabbath, and they're worshiping. And he asked, there's a man there that, that's crippled and, and needs healing. And he asked the Pharisees, is it right to do good on Sabbath, or is it wrong? Or should, we, should it be a day of just to do evil and to ignore? And the Pharisees won't answer them. And, and they, they, they um, intentionally um, try to make it hard for Jesus. And so Jesus, is, he's frustrated because here's the leader's that are supposed to be representing God, they are so, they're so protective of their power, and they want more of it, and they don't want to share it with anybody else, so they're, they're threatened by Jesus. They're making it hard. And it says, Jesus says, okay, to show you that even, even I, the Son of God, have authority, even over the Sabbath, because Sabbath was made for man, man wasn't made for Sabbath. He says, I'm going I'm to show you that I have the authority. So he speaks to the man, and the man is healed. And it says the Pharisees were so mad that he did good on Sabbath that they went away and they began to plot how to kill him. So their conversation right after that encounter was, hey, let's kill this guy. Let's plot how to kill him. People of God, supposed to represent God, are trying to figure out how to murder somebody because of his influence and because they don't like what he's doing. And so they were stuck to religion. They were legalists. They were so bound to the law and that and, and, uh, they were missing the purpose of the law behind it, the, the spirit of it. And so he's saying, guys, you don't understand your words that you're speaking are actually causing more destruction and more damage than good. And he's trying to call it out of them. He's... He's, whenever God points something in our life that's not good, it's never to condemn or to make us feel bad. To, it's, it's always to say, hey, if you'll fix this, you can get better. In this case, I really believe he's trying to get the Pharisees to wake up because they're so lost. They're so blinded by what they're doing. So he says, out of your heart, your, your heart is going to determine what your mouth is going to say. And he goes on and says, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. So he's saying, guys, that, that plot for murder... That is out of an evil heart. That's evil intentions and motives. That, that is coming from, you, you got to check your heart, check on your heart, make sure, figure out what's going on there because you're bringing out some evil stuff. He says, I tell you this, you will give account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. You, will give an, you and I are going to give an account on judgment day for every idle, this would mean careless word, right, that you and I speak. The words you, you, will, you say will either acquit you or condemn you. So they'll either, you'll be justified by the words you say, or you'll be condemned by the words you say. So he's saying, all right, so he's not just talking about every word we speak. Like we should, we should guard the words that we speak to others and what we say. In this case, he's saying, even the words that were carelessly spoken. So example, this would be like maybe out of anger, out of a, a frustration, you, you, you blurt out something to somebody, right? And it comes across hard or mean, maybe sarcastic, maybe a little cutting. And, and all of a sudden you say, oh, I didn't mean that. That would be a careless word. Like you really didn't think through it, it just kind of came out. And you would follow up by saying, I, I didn't really mean that, right? So these words could be about others. They could be about ourselves. Careless words. Um, but here's, here's the truth about careless words, right? He's saying we'll give an account for those. Even idle, careless words matter. Because here's what happens. Even though you don't, maybe didn't mean it at the time, it came out. It doesn't uh, minimize or cancel the effect of what it said. The effect still carries on and still has an impact. Um, and we'll be accountable even for those words. So Jesus is saying, Guys, pay attention to what you're saying. It's so, so important because every single word that you speak, you'll be held accountable for it. So guard those words, even those idle words, those careless words that slip. Watch yourselves, right? James told us if we could, if we could control the tongue, we could master this, 
we'll actually be able to solve a lot of issues in life. We won't have a lot of problems because whoever controls the tongue controls the direction of life. Whoever controls the tongue controls the outcomes. So learn to control your tongue. You'll be accountable for it. So in, in James, in the New Testament, the book of James is a, is a, a book of, of wisdom. It's like a wisdom book from the New Testament. In the Old Testament, Proverbs is a wisdom book. has a lot to say about the mouth. In fact, every chapter, if you read through Proverbs, I encourage you to do this often, right? Go through the book of, of Proverbs. Um, every chapter has something about, about words that are spoken, the words you say, words others say, uh, what you hear, what you're listening to. has has a lot to, to say about the, the words and the intention and what, what happens when we speak words. In fact, here's some of, a list of, of um, um, the, the, word, the word that it uses for a, a wise person and then a foolish person, right? So a foolish person, it says a lot of things about a foolish person in the words that they speak. Here's some of the things they speak. They speak lies. Uh, they get into all kinds of arguments. A foolish person insults and slanders others. A foolish person gossips, and a foolish person listens to the gossips and the rumors. A foolish person is, uh, uses flattery to try to get something from somebody, and they use bragging to, to make themselves look better than, than the, re- the reality, right, to, to do it. And in, in, in scriptures over and over, we can even add sarcasm to those insults and slanders, even words that are, are said to, to cut and to hurt. Well, in the Bible, when it talks about fools, um, two of the names that it uses that are the harshest names for a foolish person have to do with the mouth, mocker and a scorner. A mocker and a scorner are the harshest words that talks about a foolish person in life. And notice how it's attached, attached to the things that they say. So a mocker and a scorner, a foolish person, they use words to hurt others and, not realizing it, they actually hurt themselves. So they use the words to bring destruction, to bring damage, to bring hurt over and over. And it actually says it reflects their teacher, um, Lady Folly. They actually listen to the Lady Folly and they, they, they say words that bring destruction and damage. Um, and in this case, so when we lie, we're actually not representing God at all. We're actually representing the, the evil one because the enemy lies. Uh, when we run into arguments, it shows that we're not, we're not wise, but we're foolish because we get into arguments and fights that aren't, shouldn't even be happening because uh, we're not using wisdom. When we insult or slander, we, we talk about somebody in a way that would uh, degrade them or make them look bad in front of others. Um, we're actually not, we're accusing, we're not representing God at all. And then gossip, you know, and when, whether it's a, a true gossip or not, or just a rumor that, that brings destruction. Uh, when we gossip, we hurt others and we hurt ourselves. And in fact, um, here's just a side note, right, for gossip. If somebody's ever gossiping to you about somebody else, um, if ever somebody ever talks to me very freely about others and their issues, their problems, one, I try to stop that as soon as I can, but I know I have to be really careful of what I say to this person because I will be the next person that they will be gossiping about, talking about. The same way they talk about that person, I won't put it against them. They'll be talking about this way also. And gossip it separates and destroys relationships, right? It hurts people. These are the words that people that speak. Um, in fact, if everybody ever comes to you, and one of the ways to kind of stop the gossip is saying, hey, have you talked to this person about that? It's typically like, well, no, not really. I can, you know, let's go talk to him now. Like, we should go address this because it's really important, right? You point them back to saying, hey, let's, let's, let's do the right thing. Let's go talk to them. Let's get to the source of this. Let's not just carry on rumors or issues that need to be addressed. And um, as long as you entertain that gossip, right, um, you're actually make, helping it go on further. And so uh, in, with our words, we can, we can tell lies. We can argue. We can insult. We can use our mouth to bring destruction and hurt to others, or we can use our mouth for good. Proverbs 12:18 says it like this about words. Some people they make cutting remarks. Another translation says when they their words that they use is like a, like a piercing of a sword. Now you see the visual, right? When somebody says the word, it's not just a word sticks and stones may hurt 
may, may break my bones, but words never hurt me. It's a lie. Words hurt. And in this case, it's saying it's almost like a dagger, like a sword that's piercing you. People make cutting remarks and actually per- pierces the person. But the words of the wise brings healing. The words of the wise brings healing. So we can be foolish people or we can be wise people or we can be foolish people with the words that we speak. Uh, one, of the, one of the proverbs about, about uh, telling lies says that telling a lie hurts, hurts the person you're lying about the same way as getting an axe and hitting with an axe or getting a, a sword and hitting with a sword or shooting them with a sharp arrow. Like the words are that, that have that kind of impact in people's lives when we, when we, when we use them in, in the wrong way. Proverbs 13.3 says it like this. Those who control their tongue will have a long life. Anybody want a long life? Okay, two of you want a long life. Anybody else want a long life? I want a long life. Those who control their tongues will have a long life. There's a connection to having um, a long life and, and having wisdom in what you say and what you don't say. Uh, opening your mouth at the wrong at the uh, opening your mouth at the wrong time can ruin everything, right? So just if you keep your mouth closed, you can actually save yourself from destruction. Um, another version, version, a uh, verse uh, translation of this says, "He who guards his mouth saves his life." Like literally, if you protect your mouth at certain times, you can actually save your life. Um, this can also apply to relationships. If you protect your mouth, guard your mouth, you can actually save some relationships, save some um, opportunities of not getting fired, right? If you know how to control your mouth and, and protect yourself from destruction. Uh, one of my favorite ones, Proverbs seventeen twenty eight. even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. Even a foolish person is thought to be wise when they, when they keep their mouth closed because with their mouth shut, they actually seem intelligent. It's not until the moment they open their mouths that their foolishness is exposed, right? right? So something inside is, is revealed outside. Even fools are thought wise when kept when they keep silent and they, they calm down. So the first week we said, be quick to listen, slow to speak, right? This is, these are the principles that, that James is saying. Hey, guys, if you learn to guard your mouth, if you learn to slow down and listen more and talk less, you'll actually position yourself to have a prosperous life, to be successful in relationships. Here's how you navigate life. Protect what you say because what you say can bring life or it can bring death. What you say is exposing something on the inside. Um, Romans 10, 8 through, 12, 8 through Romans 10, 8 through 10, Paul is talking to the church in, in Rome, the Christians in Rome, and he's writing to them, and he's talking about the power of words, and he's talking about uh, the difference that our belief in Christ makes. Um, and he begins to quote these, these scriptures from the Old Testament found in Deuteronomy. And he's talking about what Moses said about the word of God, about the words that God spoke. Um, and he says this, what does it say, about talking about Mo- Moses said, that the word is near you, it is in your mouth, and it's in your heart. So Moses is saying, hey, God has something for you, and actually the word is actually really close to you, what God has, and it's actually in your mouth and in your heart, your mouth and heart. Remember the mouth and heart are always attached? In scriptures over and over, you'll see either mouth and heart, heart and mouth. And he says this, that this is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. So this is, he says this is the whole point of what the gospel is about, what Jesus did. He came to help us find salvation. He came to help us have a relationship with God. And he says this, if you declare with your mouth, if you'll declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you'll believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So saying, if you all know what it is, the relationship with God, you have to declare with your mouth. It's got to be something spoken. Jesus is Lord. You believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Why? For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's the motives. It's the intentions that are deep within. It's the heart, right? And then it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and you're saved. It's the confession that follows the belief that makes you right with God. So words by themselves, if you said a prayer but you didn't mean it, it's not going to have the same impact as saying a prayer with the right motives and the right heart. God is looking at the heart as much as he is at the mouth. But the mouth is what leads to that. Here's why. Here's why it's so important to guard our mouths, okay? 
The mouth is one of the things that bridges the spiritual and the physical. It's one of the things. So in life, my job as a pastor is to help remind you all the time, what you're experiencing is not just a physical reality. Like we are spiritual beings. There are things that are happening behind the scenes that you can't see. That they're, they're there. There's forces that are against us. There are intentions. There are uh, motives. There are things that are happening that you can't see, right? And so the words actually bring the unseen and they make it visible. They make it seen out of the heart, right? The motives, the intentions, the, 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 the desires out of the heart, the things that are going in here, the mouth begins to bring forth those things. So it exposes what's on the inside. This could be a good thing. This could be a bad thing. And so, the, so the, the mouth is actually connecting imaginations to reality. You know, every, everything that we have that in life, it first starts with a thought, with an imagination, right? I don't know if you've ever seen a horror movie. Some of those horror movies, that was in somebody's imagination to create this. Just because we think it doesn't mean we should actually bring it to reality. Just because we think it doesn't mean we should say it all the time. Because sometimes the things that we think actually could bring about more destruction than good. The things that we have in our heart doesn't always need to come out, right? We have to guard that and say, oh, where did that come from? Why do I feel so much anger against this person? That, that's something in the heart you have to deal with, right? You don't just speak it out because you're angry or whatever it is because it actually could cause more harm. Why? Because the mouth is bringing to life what is behind the scenes. It is actually partnering. In the beginning, the, the Genesis 1 says, in the beginning, uh, the, 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 the earth was formless and void, right? It was empty, and what did God do? God spoke. He said, let there be light. He used his words to create life. And then he gives us the same authority and the ability to use our words to do what he did to create with our words. So we actually speak things into reality. We actually speak things. And this is the principle of the Bible. That says it's not just physical. There's some spiritual dynamics that are playing at play that go on. Psychology tells us this, right? We know things are happening in the brain. Things are happening inside of us that, that cause struggles and issues. Well, the Bible talks about that. Where, where did all those things come from? Why are, they, why are they raging within us? And what do we do with those things? And so when he's saying, if you confess with your mouth, he's saying, you need to say the same thing that God is saying. When you confess, when you become in alignment with God, you're, you're speaking life. You're actually doing what Jesus told us. You're bringing heaven to earth. The, the, the alternative is you bring more of hell to earth. How do you guys know we have enough hell on earth, right? You with me? We don't need more hell on earth. We need more heaven on earth. We have enough how, as you look at the reports, you look at what's going on. We don't need more of that. We need more heaven. And the starting point is actually with the things that we say. The starting point is saying, all right, God, how many use my mouth to bring about good, not to bring about bad? How many bring life, not death, to build, not to tear down? Um, a, few, a few years back, I was doing a series on prayer. And, um, and uh, one of the, the weeks I was talking about healing, and I was talking about uh, the power of words. Um, and in this series, um, I was... Before I, on Saturday nights, my routine is after the kids go to bed, I go and finalize all the stuff in the computers to make sure that I'm ready to go. I actually go to sleep just knowing I'm ready. And um, that night, um, I was reading a book, and it was about it was about uh, the book was about blessings and, and curses. Right? So in Deuteronomy, uh, Moses says, "This day I, I put before I set before you blessings, or I set before you curses. Like the choice is yours. You get to choose what the choices you make. Um, if you listen and obey, you get the blessings God has for you. If you." don't listen and you disobey, you actually get the consequences of the curses that follow. And he's saying, your, the choice is yours. You choose blessings or curses. And in this book, I was reading this book that night before I went to bed, and um, he was talking about self-imposed curses. In his book, I thought it was very interesting that the things that we say about ourselves to ourselves, uh, to others about ourselves, can actually be, that they can actually create um, negative things within our life. They can, we can actually 
um, bring about those things into our life by just speaking them and, and bringing about those curses. Well, as I was reading, I didn't really think of much of it, but um, in 2006, I, fell, I, I slid off a two-story roof on Propanol and dust, and I slid off this roof, and I fell two stories and uh, landed on the concrete and ended up um, having very minimal damage, but I did, I cracked my pelvic, um, fractured one place, cracked it in one place, um, sprained my, my wrists, my ankles, all that, and that was it. And so uh, they kept me on a, a, a bed for like uh, eight hours because they thought my spine was probably broken. They just they couldn't believe that that's all that happened to me. And so um, anyways, after this fall, whenever I'd play soccer or do anything, my hips would freeze up and my lower back would get a little tight. And so after after doing exercises, it would free up and it would be fine. Um, but I, I kept catching myself that through, through the years that followed, um, there was moments where I would go to pick up something and I'd bend down to get it and I'd pick it up. My back would just spasm and freeze up, right? It would hurt so bad that I couldn't, even walk. I'd have to crawl on the ground to move. And this happened a few times throughout the years. And after having this a couple of times, I said, you know, after the fall, like all my stress and all my issues they actually settle in my lower back. Like it's, it's just, I have a weak back. And I started saying this thing, my, my, my back is weak after the fall. I have a weak back and uh, it hurts and all that. And so um, that Saturday night while I was preparing, uh, when I went to go lay down, my back spasmed up, right? And, and um, when, I, when I was sitting there spasming up, um, it's almost like if God brought back to my memory the words that I've been speaking about my back. I have a weak back. My, my, my tension goes to my lower back now. I have, I have issues because of the fall. And I begin to speak, remind myself of these words I was speaking. And in this book, he talks about, in this chapter, he's talking about Peter and, and the curses, the things that we speak over our lives that cause, have effects. He mentioned this story about Peter. So Peter denies Jesus at the, when Jesus is being crucified, right? And he tells Peter before it happens, like, Peter, you're going to deny me three times, right? Um, but, but just when, when I come back, just come back. We'll, we'll deal with this later, he tells him. And so uh, Peter, he denies Jesus three times, even to the point of cursing, and, uh, and, and walks away. So essentially denies that he knows Christ, that he follows Christ three times. Well, Jesus dies on the cross. We know three days later he rises from the dead. Uh, he, and the angels show up and visit the, the ladies uh, at the tomb. And, and the angels tell the, the ladies, uh, Jesus says, um, he, he's going to be in Galilee. So go call the disciples. And this is found in Mark 16. He says, go call the disciples and Peter. So when the angel talks about Peter, he doesn't even include him with the disciples. So at this point, Peter was no longer a disciple. Why? Because he actually stepped away from his relationship with God by his own confession. He decided to say, no, I don't want anything to do with that, right? So he denied him three times. So the angel says, go call the disciples. Oh, and by the way, call Peter too. So he comes in and Jesus has a conversation with Peter. The first time they meet, he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's cut to the heart, like, of course I love you, Jesus. You know I love you. He says, all right, I'll take care of my, feed, feed my sheep. Second time, Peter, do you love me? He's like, yes, Jesus, of course I love you, right? And he says, the third time Jesus asks, he says, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. The third time he says, Peter, do you love me? You know all things, Master, he says. I, of course I love you. And, and essentially, um, he says, yes, I do. And he says, I'll well, take care of my, my, my lambs. So take care of them. And essentially, the, the, this book was talking about when, when, when we speak self-imposed curses in our life, when we speak words that actually cause us to stay stuck in life, a couple things have to happen. And in this instant, we see the story where Jesus is saying, all right, Peter, you denied me three times. So now I'm going to lead you in this, this moment of making it right, right? So the reason he asked him three times to, if he loved him is because Peter denied him three times. So he's saying, Peter, I want to reinstate you as disciple, but your words are powerful and your words have actually separated you from me. And your words have actually caused you to be, to have more damage in your life than good. So now let's reverse that. And in this book, he talks about when, when it comes to self-imposed curses that we speak over ourselves, and this would probably apply when we speak to others in the same way. We, we say something that would cause damage and hurt. 
We need to do these things. The first thing is repent. So he gives these, these three steps, right? You need to repent. You need to revoke, which means you cancel those, those, those statements. And then you replace them with the truth. You replace them with what God is saying to you. And so I'm laying in bed. My back spasms, right, that night. Um, and I'm thinking like, okay, great. I'm going to have to speak from a chair because my back's going to be hurting all day. And this, this memory of me saying these things comes back to my mind. I just read this, this book and I'm thinking, huh, maybe this is attached to something I've been saying over myself for a long time. And so as I'm laying there in bed, I say, all right, God, well, uh, you, you say you want to release us from even the curses, right? Jesus died on the cross to be, re, be, be set free from the curse of sin and the curse that follow. And so I'm, I'm laying in bed that night, and I, I do this thing. I repent. I so say, God, forgive me that after that fall, I've been making excuses. Because here's the truth. Um, my back would freeze up. A lot of times it's because I wasn't exercising enough, right? So I wasn't, my back was weak. My lower back was weak. And it wasn't so much because of the fall, but because of the lack of exercise. So I say, God, forgive me that I blame the fall for my for my lower back, and I've been speaking death over my lower back, that it's weak and it's always going to be like this and all that. So right now, I, I revoke that. I cancel that. It's not because of the fall. It's not because it's because of the words that I choose to speak. And then, then I replace it and say, God, I thank you for a strong back, and I thank you that for the next, next rest of my life, you're going to allow me to have a strong back to carry your work and your, your will throughout my family, throughout my life. And um, I, I just begin to replace. What, is, what are the truths that God says for me? that I'm healed, by his stripes I'm healed, that because of his sacrifice, I can have these things that God has. And the moment I say, in Jesus' name, amen, my back that is, is tensed up, all of a sudden just goes boom. Just boom. And I'm laying in bed, and it's a physical, immediate relief of pain. And there's this moment where I'm like, wow, it really worked, right? I'm like, whoa. Like, I mean, I, I believe in prayer, and I would believe my, but sometimes like, well, God, I'll take a while, maybe I have to do some exercises, but it was boom, it, it happened. I felt, I, felt, I felt great. So I went to sleep, didn't think anything of it. Next morning I woke up, and forgetting that God healed me, usually when, I, when my back starts hurting that, that week, I roll over to the side really slowly. I get up real gingerly because if you jump up too fast, your back spasms, and then you're back in the pain again, right? So I roll over to my side, and I start getting up, and I realize, like, my back doesn't hurt at all. And I get off the bed, and it almost feels like, here's kind of what it feels like. Um, like I was kind of like floating almost, like walking on air. And here, here's, here's the point of this, all right? Something changed in my in in the in the in the natural but also in in the supernatural in the seen and the unseen something changed in that moment where i said god forgive me for for speaking these things over my life for speaking these things and that process that whole night i was actually really saying god is there if there's other things that i've been um, um leaning on or, or confessing that aren't true like i even break those things and it felt that morning like a weight was lifted off of me like a weight like i was when I would walk, it felt like I was bouncing. I wasn't literally bouncing, but that's how I felt because of the weight that had been on me for so long. It was, it was broken. It was released because of what I was doing there. Here, and here's the thing. The whole point is this. Our words, they have a lot of weight. They carry a lot of weight with them. Our words can be um, used for good or for bad. So here's the power of words. Our power of words can create or they can destroy. The words you speak are actually causing really some, some good things in life or they're causing damage and destruction. Uh, let me speak to fathers, so to dads. Your words, they weigh in life. They weigh more than anybody else's words, any human being for your kids. So there's God's words, and then there's the delegated authority, the, the father. Your words carry more weight than anybody else. The Old Testament talks about the blessing that the fathers give. This is why the blessing is so important, because God knows I've delegated the father to be the authority of the family. What he says goes. So if you curse your family, they will be cursed. If you bless your family, they will be blessed. If you bless your spouse, they will be blessed. If you, if you curse your spouse, they will be cursed. And your words carry so much weight. 
So when you're sarcastic, when you're cutting, when you're demeaning, that's actually bringing destruction to your family, not good. The power of words are so, so, so important. And that's why Scripture talks about so much because it's saying, hey, there's something, there's, there's the physical, there's the spiritual. And your words are attached to the spiritual. And you're inviting blessings, you're inviting curses into those that you speak these words to. If, if, if you're a teacher, if you're a, a boss, if you're in any kind of authority, a coach, your words are kind of like that. Because God has put you as a delegated authority over those people. And whatever you speak to those, it's, it's a, you're representing God, you're speaking those things down to others. So you can actually speak life or you can speak death. In fact, some of you in this room, you probably look back over history, maybe your parents, maybe somebody in authority, a teacher, um, a boss, um, somebody of influence. They spoke words to you. And in some cases, they were great words that built you up. And you still like, man, they believe in me. And other words are spoken, they've cut you down. And they've spoken things over you that have actually held you back. These are the power of words. The power of words are so, so powerful. So we're talking about TNT. I was talking about Alfred Nobel, right? He invented, he, he perfected TNT and figured out how to do that. And it got better and better and stronger and stronger, and they began to use it for war. Well, in 1867 is when he, dis- when he discovered how to make dynamite out of nitro- nitroglycerin. And, in, um, and he began to perfect it and get it bigger and manufacture it in, in bulk quantities, things like that. Made a lot of money, became very wealthy. Well, about almost 20, 20 years after he, he figured this out, um, in 1888, his brother Ludwig, 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 he died, right? So he was, he was one, a child of eight, and uh, one of his brothers... And 18 died. Well, there was a French journalist who heard about uh, the, the death of, of Ludwig, but he thought it was Alfred Nobel. And so he wrote about the life of Alfred Nobel, essentially just a, a sentence of, of his legacy. And in, in, the, in the newspaper, the reporter said this about Alfred Nobel. He said, the merchant of death is dead. The merchant of death is dead. So the guy who made a lot of money off of death is now dead. Almost like in this... Um, way to summarize his life and he didn't know it was, he, th- he thought it was alfred that died it was actually ludwig that died and so when alfred nobel ro- read this he realized this is going to be my legacy like everybody's going to remember me as the merchant of death and they're going to be like like that's just going to be in the history books of that and it says that moment something happened where he says i don't want this to be my legacy so alfred nobel you might have heard the nobel prizes right nobel peace prize is probably the most popular one um he decided that when he died Majority of his money, his family was really disappointed at this. He didn't give it to his family. He actually gave it away to start a foundation that would every year give away money and give away um, like a prize and award to different people in different aspects of, of life, like like uh, um, chemistry and um, diff- different aspects of that and peace, people that bring peace, like Mother Teresa won the Nobel Peace Prize years ago, right? And so they, they would recognize people through every year to say, these people are doing a lot of good. Why? Because he realized that his legacy had brought more destruction than good. So what could he do to actually change that? And by creating this foundation, he actually is known by that, and that, that he's actually recognized a lot of people have done good and brought about good instead of just destruction. Well, in our lives, we're that, we have the same capabilities to, with, with, our, with our life, with our legacy. What are you going to leave behind? What are people going to say about you? What are the words that they spoke all the time? What did they say to me that built me up or tore me down? Now, let me tell you a story about a, a man named Billy Hornsby. The power of words. Bill Hornsby, um, uh, in the eighth grade, he was in math class, um, and as as, as he was, re- he was actually a really intelligent uh, young 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 man. In the eighth grade, his math teacher got up on the board and drew out this problem that was kind of complicated, and so she called him Billy. He said, "Billy, come and solve the problem." So Billy got up out of his chair and he was walking to the math at uh, the board. He was so smart that he figured out the problem before he even got there. He got up there and just wrote the answer. 
and went back to his seat. His teacher said, Hornsby, that's not correct. He says, no, it is correct. I, I, I know it's correct. I, I, the answer is there. He said, Billy, that is wrong. It's not correct. So he got kind of frustrated himself. He said, no, it is. I, I know that that is the answer. And so out of frustration, the teacher said, no. She said, the, the answer is right, but you didn't write out the problem. Right? She wanted the, all the work done. And so she's out of frustration because she said, you, you got it wrong because you didn't write out the problem, so it's not right. And he says, but it is right. I put the right answer. And she, she took, out of frustration, she looked at Billy and said, Billy, you'll never amount to anything in front of the whole class. Billy, you will never amount to anything. And the word she spoke that day somehow attached to Billy. And, it's, and, and the story goes that from that day on, he kind of just checked out of school. Very intelligent. But from that day on, he, he didn't really want to do anything to do with it. He was embarrassed. He was spoken, all those things, words spoken over him. Well, he eventually drops out of school. Age 17, he gets his girlfriend pregnant, uh, becomes a father at a very young age, the age of 17. So he's now, he's like, all right, well, I got to provide for my family. So I guess I got to go find a job. She's looking for different jobs. And eventually in his town, there was an Exxon refinery. Um, and they, they, that was there. And so he went in and tried to find a job, and so they sent him in to, to go take a test to see where he could probably fit within the company. So he goes in, and that day he takes a test, and as he's taking it, he's just very frustrated, and um, he eventually gets the paper, gives it to the, to the clerk, says, you know what, don't even bother calling. I, didn't know, I know I didn't well, do, didn't do well. So he leaves. Well, the next day, Exxon calls him and says, Mr. Hornsby, we need you to come in, and we'd like to talk to you about your test. He says, you know, I told them not to call me. I know I didn't, what, didn't do good, so just leave me alone. I don't want the job. It's okay. Don't, don't worry about it. He said, no, no, really, Mr. Hornsby, we really want you to come in and talk about the test. He didn't want to come. Eventually, they convinced him, just come in. So the next day, he goes in, and he sits down, and the guy says, why, why do you think you didn't do good? He says, you know, all this, I wasn't very good at school and all this, and just begin to make all excuses. He says, Mr. Hornsby, um, you, nobody's ever scored higher than you on this test. It's like you are essentially the guy who's saying you're a genius, right? So everybody that's ever taken this test nobody has ever scored higher on this test. And the guy looks at him and says, Mr. Hornsby, if you really apply your mind and apply yourself, you could really amount to something very great with your life. And that day, the words, you can really amount to something great, got planted in his heart. I don't think it's an accident. The teacher said, you'll never amount to anything. And, and the, the boss there would say, Billy, you can amount to something great. And essentially that day, the curse that was spoken over Billy was removed and replaced with a blessing of St. Billy. You can do something great with your life if you'll just apply yourself, you'll work hard. And that day, Billy went from not amounting to much to actually realizing there's something in him. So Billy got the job, did good there, went on. He's a Jesus follower, and so he went on to start an organization they call the Ark. The Ark is a, they plant churches all around the world. In fact, our church, was we started with their help. It's just a great, it's an amazing partnership that we're with that they're helping to start churches. Well, Billy's impact, not just the ark, but even other churches that he came alongside and helped um, just to build the kingdom. He brought a lot of heaven to earth. A few years back, he died, but his legacy lives on. And I, I, I can't think of what would have happened if that man would have never spoke that blessing over Billy's life. What, what would have transpired in his life? And then I think of a room this size and the people here, and I think of what are the words that have been spoken to you from authority figures that said you'll never be any good at anything, you'll never be good, you're not pretty enough, you're not smart enough, you're not skinny enough, you're not talented enough, and those words have stuck. And you've actually believed them and you let them sit there. And in some cases you've actually said to yourself, I'm ugly and not good enough, I'm not smart enough. I'll never be that. I'm not that. And the words we speak to ourselves and the words others speak, have spoken to us, they've attached and they've stuck. And they've actually caused a lot of destruction and harm. The whole point of today is this. 
You don't have to live with that curse in your life. You don't have to live with those words that have been spoken over you. The reason that Jesus died on the cross is to release us from those curses. And today you can actually break some of those in your life. The same way I prayed at night, saying, God, man, I, I, man, I repent, I revoke, I replace these things, right, in my life. God has that same healing for you when it comes to self-imposed curses. Now, if there's other things that have gone on with the occult, um, with, with, with generational things that have passed from family to family, I would love to help you with that also. Part of, in fact, part of our freedom um, group that we do is, is a lot to deal with a lot of that stuff. In fact, um, uh, today we brought some T-shirts for uh, last semester. We had our first freedom conference ever. And uh, so we, all the ones that went to the conference, um, so the 13 weeks is half of, the, half of the group, and then the conference is the other half. And so we brought a T-shirt for all those that, that, that served it and helped it, and we wanted just to honor them and say thank you for being a part of the first freedom group. Well, in freedom, here's why it's so important. Why I always, why I always talk about freedom so much is because essentially um, we, can be, we can be in relationship with God. We can be doing the right things, but our past can always be holding us back like those words that have been spoken over us that we haven't dealt with, right, that we've held on to, that have, uh, maybe haven't forgiven people for whatever. Well, freedom is saying let's dig up those things. Let's dig up and, and get rid of those things, and let's replace them with something better. And the whole freedom group, what we try to do is expose the lies that we've believed and we've been telling ourselves for so long and then replace them with the truth that God says in our lives. So if you couldn't get in, some of our freedom groups are, are full. There's one freedom group for men that's still open. Guys, if you want to get in that group, it'll happen on Sunday afternoons, and I would encourage you, if you, you want to be a part of that, get in one. But essentially, our whole strategy for our church is saying, hey, let's deal with the past so we can move into freedom into our future. Let's be free from everything that holds us back so we can totally go with, with what God is asking us to do. Because um, here's the truth about, about our life and about the words we speak. It's not, will the words have effect on others or effect in our lives? The question is, will those effects be positive or negative? Your words will be effective, but really, are they going to affect others in a positive way or a negative way? So here's my challenge. It kind of goes with the first week, and you know what last week Sarah talked about. The challenge is this. We have to be quick to listen, slow to speak. All right? So the first week I said, don't, when you get into arguments, when you get into fights, when you get, when you begin to get angry, you tend to close up, right? So we have to fight that and say, I'm going to be open here. God, I'm going to be quick to listen. I'm going to listen to what, what's happening before I speak, and I'll be slow to speak. And then instead of speaking evil, why don't you speak the good? In fact, I would say this. Whenever you're tempted, right, you want to speak something negative to somebody or something hurtful, when you're ever tempted to complain about something or even, be, even have a, a, a evil words that want to come out, like I would say stop yourself, be quick to listen, slow to speak. Don't, don't speak it. Be slow to speak. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. And then if you don't know what to do in that moment, just begin to thank God. Would you thank God for, for, for whatever it is in that moment that you could say, instead of complaining about the job, you say, God, thank you that I have a job. Instead of complaining about what's not right, say, God, thank you that these things are right. And here's what I know. When you have gratitude and you're appreciative of what God has, he'll begin to use that to change the environment and change you in the process. Um, begin to thank God for those people that you want to curse, that you want to be mad at. Instead of being evil, begin to bring good. And in that moment when you're quick to listen, slow to speak, and you actually partner with God and say, God, what are the words of life that you want me to speak? It's no accident Jesus says, I only speak what I hear the Father telling me to speak. Because he knew the potential of his words. And if he can hear what God is saying to speak, he can speak life. And if not, he could potentially speak something that would actually cause more harm than, de- than good. He's saying, I'm going to be very intentional with what I speak. And you're going to thank God for those things. See, because when we put our attention on what is right, it changes the atmosphere. When we put our attention on what is good, we actually begin to bring blessings, not curses. 
As long as you're focused on the negative, you'll bring about curses and, bless, and, and curses and harm. But if you can say, God, thank you for this moment. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my kids. Thank you for this opportunity to work. Thank you for my boss. Even though I'm really mad at him right now, God, I thank you for my boss. God, you've, you've placed him in the, me in, under his authority or her authority. Help me to represent you well and serve them well. Right, this is what I know about God. If you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and you have a bad boss, he'll get either the boss out of there or he'll get you out of there and give you a better one. He always, he's faithful in that way. He'll, he'll help you out. It's, it's like the guy who says, I was so mad at God that I didn't have shoes to wear until I met a guy that didn't have feet. And I realized, like, wow, I'm looking at the wrong thing. It's like, it's like the, um, one of the pastors from the 18th century, he got, he got robbed by gunpoint. And the guy came up with a gun and said, give me your money, all your money, or you're going to die. So he get, takes the wallet out and gives him the wallet, and the guy leaves. And he goes home, and he, that night he, in his journal, he's writing and being thankful to God. He says, God, thank you. That although my wallet was stolen, my life was not. Thank you that even though he took my, my wallet, he didn't take my life. Gratitude. And he says, and God, although, although I was robbed today, thank you that it was he and not me who was doing the robbing. He turned his situation and said, I'm going to focus on the good. I'm going to focus on what's not here so I can speak life. In, in, in our situations in life with the people around us, your words carry a lot of weight. Dads, your words carry so, so much weight. Guard them. Be careful because you will have an impact to bless or to curse. Moms, your words carry weight for your kids. Bosses, coaches, teachers, your words carry weight for those that you speak to. Use it for life, not for death. You know, today as we end our service, there's some of you in this room that you've come and uh, maybe you've, you've came with somebody invited you, but you would say, you know, I'm not a Christian. I'm not a Christ follower. I'm just here to learn. I'm here, whatever. Maybe you're in a situation in life where you're looking for answers. Um, you came to the right place. And let me, let me say something. I, I believe God has great plans for your life. He wants to lead you to be able to bring more heaven to earth. That's the point of following Christ, right? A Christian means we're Christ followers. We're Jesus followers. We follow his example, his teaching. So we can go our own way or we can go God's way. And some of you today, you're here and you've been going your own way. And God is saying, hey, come back. Maybe like Peter, you walked away. But today I want to reinstate you. Today I want to, I want to lead you on this journey. Let me lead you on this journey. Today maybe some of you have been using your words for death. And God is saying, hey, I want to use and capture your ability to speak to bring about life. So we read the, the scripture in Romans. Romans 8, Romans 10, 8. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Our walk with God starts with this confession of saying, Jesus, you're Lord, you're God, I'm not. I'm, I believe in your heart, not just that you died for me, but that you came back to life. And that you, by you conquering death, conquering sin, conquering hell, hell, I can have all the blessings and riches that you have for me on earth. Not just in heaven, but on earth too. Help me to walk in that. That's what it means to be a Christ follower. Say, God, I receive everything you have for me. I walk with you. So today... Uh, let's close our eyes and bow our head as we end our service. If you're here today, you'd be bold enough, you'd be courageous enough to say, that's me. I'm here today. I'm not following God, but I want to confess today that he is Lord. I believe in my heart. I can make that confession in my mouth that I'm going to follow him because he died on that cross. He's alive today. So Paul says, if you'll ask God to forgive you, he responds with forgiveness. If you humble yourself, he responds that humility and embraces you. So today, before as we end our service, if you're here today, that's you. Would you... Let me know you're here by raising your hand right now. Just lift your hand up and say, that's me. Today I need God. Can't do without him. Awesome. A few hands. Anybody else? That's me. So good. 
best decision in life is saying, God, you lead, I follow. I've been going the wrong way. I want to go your way. So today, if you, if you raise your hand, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If you're a Christ follower today, would you pray with us? We're not praying alone. If you raise your hand, say this prayer with me. Say, Father God, today I confess that Jesus is Lord. And I believe that you raised him from the dead. He's alive today. Because of his life, I can have life. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my past. Forgive me of the words I've spoken. Today I choose to follow you. I put my trust in you. Would you lead me? Would you guide me? Help me to bring heaven to earth, to my family, to my workplace, everywhere I go. Put my trust in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, church, let's celebrate all those that pray the prayer. So good.